For so many people, Sex in the City has become a model for the ideal New York City experience. And as much as I love a handbag and Cosmos with my friends, here we're pulling back the curtain. Forget the glamour shots and cue these real stories of artists navigating the concrete jungle, conquering Broadway, and finding their spotlight. This isn't just a podcast, it's your front row seat to a community of individuals sharing how they're living their authentic truth. This is the Bradshaw Effect, where you're not just a listener, you're the main character of your own story. Well, let's jump right in. Um, I'm going to say it again because I know I said it before we started recording, but thank you so much for agreeing to do this. I have been a huge admirer of your your music and your work for for quite some time. So I feel very honored that I get to sit down and chat with you today. Ah, Thank you so much. Thank you. That's very sweet. Um, so I would love to just dive right in and talk about your journey to New York this and this crazy business and industry that we find ourselves in. Yeah, I was just talking about this the other day that I mean, this year marks the 15th year. Once we get to September, I will have been in the city for 15 years, which is wild and yeah. crazy. Um, and also, strangely, like, I, I just feel like New York is such is such a home. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so there's a lot of pride with kind of that realization. I was like, wow, 15 years. I just, you know... I really do feel like New York in all of its craziness and all of its ups and downs um, is just um, every time I return back to the city, if I'm away, if I'm on vacation, if I'm traveling, doing whatever, it's always just like New York is still like home and comforting. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I don't even know what you just asked. I just, I just started. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ask how I come to the city? <laughs> yeah. Like how you, how you got here and your, in your journey into like the industry in New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I all of a sudden I was like, I'm just talking about New York, and I don't know what I'm saying anymore. <laughs> um, no, I um, well, I'm originally from California, um, northern uh, in like Bay Area, San Francisco area, and um, and then I uh, ended up going to college in Philly, mm-hmm. and so I've been on the East Coast now for you know close to 20 years, and um, and it was just sort of like the natural progression of what I was doing. I've, I've been doing music and theater my entire life. I was tap dancing when I was four years old, I did like competitive tap dancing, competitive dancing. I was doing a lot of community theater. And um, so then when it came to like the, the college crossroad, it was going to be music or musical theater related. And, um, and, and yeah, it just was so, sort of like New York was always, was yeah. always cards. Um, and that's how I landed here. And then, then of course, many, 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 many more things once I got to the city. <laughs> I think you touched on something really great before you went back and talked about your journey here, which was just talking about how New York feels like a home. And I always tell people the first time that I came to New York when I was, I think I was like six or seven years old. Whenever I left, I remember having a visceral reaction to leaving. Like it was the, I don't want to leave. And I couldn't figure out why, but it was like being, you know, the gay kid from Kentucky having, I feel like had eyes on me 24 seven coming someplace where I didn't feel like I was the center of attention was so comforting. And I didn't, I wasn't able to pin at the time, but as soon as I did everything that I did when I got back to Kentucky was trying to figure out how to get back to New York. And so I thought you touched on something really great with that, talking about it being a home. 
Yeah, and I think it's also just so interesting that like this, the city can be so many things for you. And it can be super small, it can be so big, it can build you up, it can knock you down, it, it takes you on such a journey. Yeah. And then it's full of all sorts of different kinds of people and everything. And so it, it is just home in so many different ways of what that word means. And that and I think it means either literally where you are, but then like geographically, but then also just the electricity, the pulse and the people, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And the opportunity, so, et cetera. Yeah. And that's the thing too, I've always tell people that talk about wanting to move here or that are brand new here granted i'm newer so like i don't feel like i have much room to speak on it but <laughs> from the experience that i've had it's like i always tell people you get out of it what you put into it and you know you can't come here and just kind of sit back and expect things to just happen you have to go out and have the audacity to speak about the things that you want and to put that out there because that's how that's how things are going to work Absolutely, absolutely. And and I'm always I always admire people that come here a little bit with less um less of a community or less of 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 I guess community or like baggage or people or you know cuz when I moved here I had a built-in friend group because a bunch of my friends moved from college and mm -hmm. I think that that like prevented me from feeling some of like the early potential loneliness that can maybe come if you move to the city without any of that but it really is once you literally just start putting yourself out there and allowing yourself to feel you know um just push past a little bit of the fear mm -hmm. um it's amazing what'll come back to you and how quickly um, the city will provide you with adventures, <laughs> adventures, yeah. and stories and people. Yeah, absolutely. So once you got here on your journey, when did you start to figure out that you liked writing and composing and all that? I have been uh, writing and recording and producing music since I was mm, like 12 years old. Oh, wow. So I come from a musical family. So I was always around a lot of music and a lot of um you know, gear, keyboards, computers, and stuff like that for me to just experiment and play with. And again, like having grown up in musical theater, it just was always in the household and just very much a part of my DNA from the very, very beginning. And so writing was just sort of like a, a natural progression and um, was something I was always pursuing. Even at a young age, I wanted to be like a young Britney. I wanted to be like a, a male Britney Spears. Like I wanted to be like, I was very, I, and I still am very much a pop music boy. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I was, I was just always writing and recording pop music. I would perform my, my original songs like at festivals and at school functions and things like that. I would make people be my backup dancers. Like I was that kid. <laughs> um, and it isn't, I really love, I love that kid because I think that motivated me and brought me to where I am to this day. And I think sometimes as I've gotten older, I always talk about like this idea of like this fearlessness. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that childlike like fearlessness and that drive and ambition and all of that stuff that was in me at, at a very young age. Um, I thank that kid, even though it, it you look back and sometimes you're like, oh, that's that. I can't believe it was <laughs> that kid. I can't believe it was a little, a little cringe, a little bit of this. But, oh yeah, but he had the, you know, that 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 fire, and sometimes it's hard to to find or reconnect with that fire as you get older, um, 
so uh so writing and and producing all that stuff just from a really young age and then I was doing writing and recording in high school and then when I went to college it was you know I got my BFA in musical theater and performance and everything so um I was always writing from like a diaristic kind of place you know I started off as being very like Britney music and then it sort of melted into like my own voice but inspired by like what I was listening to at the time which was a lot of like Sarah Bareilles and um and uh Jason Mraz and uh that was like in college and then and then the musical theater scene as I was getting closer and closer to like graduation and just all of that like the musical theater scene really started to have this contemporary MT and um I found that my songs were really kind of living in this world and I was you know putting my songs on my my colleagues and my my classmates and my friends and who were all had bigger bigger and better voices than me than and um and so yeah, that's just kind of how it all evolved from there. And then when, when by the time I moved to the city, I'd already done um, concerts and things, and just immediately threw myself into recording an album, wow. and um, took it from there. Yeah, that's amazing. When you're when you're working on a new project, is there a phase that is like the most exciting to you? Like, do you do you like the the initial writing, or is it the most fun once you're able to bring other people in the room with you and with collaboration and, and workshops and stuff like that? when there's producers investors <laughs> that's when <I> enjoy. <laughs> true <laughs> um so uh that that's that's the true tea these days um i really love when the actors get involved actually yeah that that phase when you start to hear other voices on the music that you've been writing um and you start to hear it out loud every time that happens I get the little like the giddiness. Yeah. No, yeah. absolutely. I I remember the first time I heard our demo albums for our show sung by the actors. I literally just sat back and I wept. And it's just one of those things like it, you have those little pinch me moments where you think sometimes about these things that were just an idea once upon a time and now you've gotten X amount of people involved with it. You're hearing it and it starts to feel like it's an actual tangible thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think um, sometimes, you know, because these things take a long time mm -hmm. and sometimes you'll be working on it for a month or two and then you'll not be working on it for six months, seven months, and then you revisit it and you're working, you know, because all of these shows at different points in time are at different places of development. And yeah. so they're needing your attention in different times. Um, and I think that's really important for uh new writers to know is that like to not put all your eggs in one basket not to put everything all your energy into one show um i think it's great to have a few shows not only just from a business um standpoint because you know you never know which one's going to pop off or which one's going to attract xyz yeah. but then also just for yourself you know if you feel like you're just constantly living in one world um, it can be draining and it's uh i just think it's better creatively to be able to hop from project to project just keeps things a little bit more um stimulating yeah uh, and but yeah whenever I will return to a project and I like will either just look at look at the sheet music or I'll just sit back in I'll be like you you will find you'll appreciate what you did and it's always like oh wow we we, we did this we wrote this <laughs> this is this is kind of cool yeah do you find whenever you approach those projects at a later date like the growth that you've had in between like that you go back and you know, see, you know, old Joey from however long ago, and you're looking at it from a new lens, like, how, how does that work usually with you? 
Yeah, well, so much of my career has been uh, unconventional. And mm. um, and yet I think is actually more and more, I, it was unconventional in the beginning. And the more I think about it, I feel like now what is conventional, who knows? And there's so many different paths and the landscape is so crazy and different. And to the point where now I feel like my unconventional beginnings um, are feeling more and more like just part of another version of what being a musical theater writer's life could be like. Yeah. Um, being like there's because there's ne now I don't unless you are one of the four or five sort of like big 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 Broadway writers you know who can go through a little bit more of a traditional pipeline um you're you're going on quite a journey with your yeah. with your shows and with your career and with your places of revenue streams and um and all of that so uh yeah, but I will I will look back, but but my career what I was what I was originally saying was that like a lot of my my musical theater hits or mm -hmm. songs that people know um are songs that I wrote 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. And when I was 21 years old. And uh and so it's interesting to be you know, 15 years later, I'm in my mid 30s and I have still new new uh new audiences discovering those songs singing yeah. those songs and i'm teaching and coaching and and performing those songs i kind of liken it to um you know like any sort of pop singer adele for example who is singing rolling in the deep which and or about emotions and stories in her life that are not necessarily relevant anymore, but like have now lived on on their own kind of plane mm -hmm. out, outside of her. So some of these songs, these musical theater songs that have one hand in my personal life and one hand in theatricality sort of feel like they live and live outside of me now. Um, and I think, oh, who, that that kid wrote a good song or I'm so happy that, that, that these songs are still continuing to resonate and everything. And then there's sometimes where I'm like, I write so differently now mm -hmm. and that can be, I think often um, people think of that as like a plus, like, Oh, you've just gotten, you've just gotten better and you've accumulated more tools. And I think that is true. And I, but I, I also still think that sometimes even speaking to that younger part of you, I think sometimes the less you think about it and get less in your head, sometimes that is also nice. You know, I miss sometimes those days when I wasn't thinking so much about other things yeah do you have a favorite song I know that's probably asking like picking some children but <laughs> picking a favorite child but <laughs> so hard that's so hard maybe not know. your favorite maybe one that you you connected with the most as you were working on it well I really love this song called another New York love story that is one of my favorite songs that I've written and whenever I see it performed well, I, I always get emotional about it. Eight more stops until I get home. Eight more stops until I get home. It's like, oh, another New York love story. Oh, we're just a New York tragedy. Are we, are we 
kind of touching on some things earlier in terms of like these these moments that happened around you where you realize you know you live in the city and stuff like that and these are these wow moments so I call the reason I call this podcast the Bradshaw effect is because I call these little Bradshaw effect moments that we have in our life the moments where we're here in New York and we're living here and we feel like the Carrie Bradshaw and our own TV show movie whatever and you you find yourself fully present in a moment to be able to take a step back mentally and say wow I made it or wow look at this thing that's happening to me um do you have a Bradshaw effect that has that has stood out to you yes yes and as Ariana has just let us Um, (laughs) I have worked really hard to create the career that I have without the support of some kind of bigger parts of the industry. Like a lot of the door, like a lot of doors that I have had opened have been through a lot of, um, hustle and grind. Yeah. And so certain concerts will, um, give me that moment where I just feel like, wow, I've, I really brought these people together in a room performing and there's just this really great energy. Oh yeah. And, uh, and I think, you know, sometimes you just forget to like, look up. Yeah. You're just looking, you're just going, going, going. And more recently, very recent, like last Mm -hmm. year, um, I had a really busy season of developing multiple shows at the exact same time. Yeah. (laughs) And that was really exciting because I was getting to see and hear all of these shows in front of audiences that don't need to be nice to me, Mm. if that makes sense. Um, And who are are there to see a show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And that's a very vulnerable thing for writers to be sitting in the audience watching their show and be around an audience of people and who again are you might have friends but not they're not all of your friends yeah exactly um, and so i i recently got to experience three different shows and three different um just moments where i could really feel the the validation and the excitement of yeah. what it means to to write a musical and and see how that can really take audiences on a journey. And um, and that's so powerful. It's so powerful. And it's so hard to do, to, to do it effectively. So um, I think, and, and then you put on top of that, that you're doing it in New York City. And that was like, duh, 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 that, that's like what stacked on, stacked on, stacked on that moment. Was that that final thing was like, and you're doing it in New York City. And I'm, I really... I'm just so glad that I'm I'm still here and I'm still doing it because I, you know, it's just, it is so up and down. It is so hard and all of those things. Um, and so, uh, and it is scary at times and all, all of that. So, but I also can connect still with that, that simple feeling of like, wow, we did that. We yeah. did that. And the audiences are, are responding. And when you have them like in the palm of your hand and they're really, you know, responding to all the things that you baked into your piece and are all intentional to serve a story, like all of those things, that's just like, that feels so exciting and powerful. And I sometimes think about um, like, what are all of our superpowers? And yeah, uh, and I, I sometimes will be like, wow, when I look at singers or dance. I look at singers who just have like that that tone of voice or that range, and like they could sing whatever, and mm-hmm. immediately you're just like, wow, that is like such a gift. That is such a superpower, and I can, and it's so immediate. You can hear it immediately. Or a dancer who's dancing, and you see them choreo on them or in, improv. It's so 
idiot. And sometimes writing music, producing music, writing shows, all that stuff, it's, it doesn't feel as immediate as when you look at other people's superpowers. And so it kind of makes you feel self-conscious sometimes. Yeah. And, uh, but I've been trying to own my own superpower more and more. I love that. I would love to pivot and talk about um, some projects that you might be willing to share and, and are able to talk about that are that are happening that that are exciting you at the moment. Yeah, um, working on a bunch of shows right now, which I'm uh, I'm loving. I uh, I have a show called In Pieces that um, has been the big the big piece that I've been working on over the last couple of years that really honestly bloomed in uh, during that, as you mentioned, the incubation period of COVID, which, yeah, it's like, I don't think in pieces, and for people that don't know what in pieces is, I'll just say real quickly, in pieces (laughs) is an anthology musical that um, follows three different relationships at different chapters of life of these people that live in the city. And um, it was, it was a piece that, um, had some sprinklings of uh, of beginnings in a pre-COVID world. Um, I, we had premiered it, uh, a reading of it at Lincoln Center in 2017. Um, and then it was on the back burner as I was working on a couple other shows. I was supposed to go somewhere and develop it more in 2020 before 2020 became what it was. And then because I had had it written, like, a little blurb about it on my website and universities were in this really crazy period of, of musical theater programs, especially mm-hmm. we're in this weird hybrid world trying to figure out, okay, how do we do a musical theater program now that's all virtual or in a hybrid life? Like what do we do period? And yeah. how do we perform and how do we do all that stuff? What shows do we put on? And at that time as well, there were a lot of licensing shows like how you would traditionally go and you would license a show to perform, you know, whether it be at MTI or Broadway licensing, et cetera, Samuel French. Um, it was hard to find shows that they could do, that they also could find the streaming rights for. Yeah. But that was never really a thing before, ultimately. Yeah. Um, and so a university had reached out, had, had, I, I had some, I guess some of the students were fans. They told their, the head of their program, they're like, we want to do this show. And they reached out to me, and this is maybe two or three months into the pandemic, where uh, we all were like, everyone, the whole world was like wondering, what are we doing? <laughs> um, and our industry was like, what are we doing? Um, and they were like, you know, we really want to produce in pieces um, at, by the end of this year. And they had these really great ideas of doing this whole f- filmed version that went beyond Zoom boxes that they were going to give their um, their students recording equipment, both video and audio. They were going to track the band um, remotely and teach everybody how to record their vocals and basically literally like direct different video angles and make this whole thing. Um, And at that time in pieces was like literally in pieces. Like it was like, there was, it was not ready to be (laughs) produced. Um, But so they're like, can we get a perusal? And I was like, sure let's let's go um and i quickly in like 48 hours like finished putting the libretto <laughs> together i was like this is here we go this is the draft this is the one <laughs> put all the songs make the charts let's go um and 
over the next couple of months, we I was really hands on in their presentation of this of of the very first kind of like working on of, of development of in pieces, and uh, and then because of that, um, I just started to like I could I just I saw the potential of that show being really producible in not only in a hybrid world that we were in at that time, but also for future universities and, um, and schools and small, pro- uh, small professional groups and theaters and everything. And so yeah. I was like, why don't I, um, you know, produce instrumental tracks and of all 22 songs. And I have, my husband and I are, my husband also plays 11 instruments. And so we just recorded the entire score here in my home studio and then we're like, well, why don't we just release the licensing rights? And so we independently released the licensing rights. We recorded uh, a highlights album, brought on a bunch of um, friends that... Um, Which is fabulous, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, some really wonderful, talented friends, Andrew, Andrew Barth Feldman, Zalea Pfeiffer, you know, Ben Finkhauser, Natalie Weiss, um, really was just a lot of great people that were put onto the project and um and we all just we just did all remote like there were some sessions where I was like zooming with someone in their closet in LA as they were recording vocals and sending me stems and you know we all we all did what we did and then pretty much right there once that was launched with the album and the licensing rights people all over the world started producing it and I had never even done my own production of it so now there's been up to 40 productions around the world there's one being produced in New Zealand right now. There was one in Singapore. There were two in Australia. There's productions all over the country. And during that process is when a commercial producer came on and was like, oh, you know, we would love to do your, 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 it's like Taylor's version, Joey's version <laughs> of In Pieces. Cause it's crazy. It was like here there, I'm, I'm seeing it all over the way. I gone, I attended a couple and, and I will do coachings and master classes for different um, productions and things like that. Um, but I, but it's never actually had a regional premiere of any kind, like an Mm. actual commercial premiere. So that is what we're working on right now is developing, um, a new draft to, uh, to get its commercial premiere because, you know, I think licensing a show that's never actually been performed before is like such an interesting backwards way of being rights and developing shows. And, but that is what kind of feeds into this unconventional career path that I have had. I just sort of don't wait for a phone to ring. And I'm like always thinking of ways to, um, to just be creative, be engaged with, with anyone who wants to be involved and engaged with what I do. And, um, and then, and then, and also just find out how to like constantly make a serve make a, a sustainable life as a musical theater writer as well. Yeah. Cause that's, you can't, you can't not think about some of the business aspects of things as well. So, um, so yeah, we're, we're working on that. We just had a really exciting um, workshop and I'm excited about some other things that are happening or in pieces very soon. So that's happening. Um, and yeah. then, 
And then, yeah, I've, uh, a couple other shows. I just had a show called Forget Me Not that did a, a developmental uh, workshop production at Manhattan School of Music. That was so crucial and so good for the piece because it was an opportunity for us to see it with design elements. And it was its first staged iteration. And the cast there, the students there were so wonderful. And we have a great director that we've been working with for a long time. So it was great to just finally see them on there. Because, you, you know, musical theater gets stuck behind music stands for so long. So when you finally... Yeah like see it living breathing all of the elements coming together and it's like so informative so yeah i love that was it you that posted on social media like over the summer or in early august i don't i'm being very specific with dates but it was sometime around the summer about that you would have you would love to take on a red white and royal blue of course of course i would love to do that the moment i saw that i was like done that's what i need i need that more than anything so here on the podcast i'm putting it out there whoever is listening let's make it happen <laughs> yes, yes i would love to write the red white and royal blue musical matthew lopez <laughs> <Give me call. laughs> give joey a buzz let's make yeah. it happen chop chop mcquiston i think is the the writer's name uh the the yeah give me a call. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. As soon as I saw you post that, I was, I think I was with some friends and I was like, Oh, absolutely. Chef's kiss. I see it in my head. Thank you. Thank you. And I mean, you know, there's a, there's a Hispanic lead and I think it should have a, a Hispanic musical theater writer. So. Oh, love. Absolutely. So as we kind of go to wrap this up, the way that I love to wrap up my episodes with my guests is to talk about a, a piece of advice or or something that might be on your heart that you would like to pass on, um, whether that be something that someone has told you or something from your experience that that has impacted you. I think for me, what I would love for everyone to remember is to uh, protect your joy, protect your joy through all of it, whatever the journey you're on creatively, I only know creative life, so I'm just going to say creative. <laughs> I guess romantically, that's important too. Um, help, mental help. I mean, honestly, yeah, it can be applied in every kind of, of way. Um, make sure you protect your joy because I think, and your joy can shift and to allow that to shift because sometimes you hold on tight to an older version of what brought you joy mm-hmm. and you're afraid to to let that evolve and that can, that can be really debilitating. Um, and so protecting your joy and letting your joy evolve is, is important. I love that. And I think that is the perfect way to wrap this baby up with a bow. Joey, I cannot thank you enough for, for doing this episode. This, this was amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I will link all of uh, Joey's social media if you want to give him a follow and as well as his uh, website so you can check it out. And um, I hope you all have a great morning, afternoon, whenever you're listening to this and I'll see you all later. Bye.